Welcome to Two Guys in the Bible, conversation on theology, culture, and the Word of God. My name is Eric Leupold, and I am joined this morning, as always, with uh, Dylan Kennison. Brother, how are you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm doing well this morning. How are you, bro? I'm, I'm doing great, doing great. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh... Uh, I'm I'm doing really good because I'm heading to Disney World tomorrow. Amen, dude. Yeah, that's gonna be a big trip though, with the family. I that's know right. that's gotta be. So we're knocking out a couple uh, episodes, <laughs> and then we're gonna go to Disney. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow. That sounds like fun. We're gonna try to beat the snowstorm. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say Florida's place. This is Florida, right? It's Florida. Yeah, Florida's the place to do it. Yeah, yeah that's man. true. That's the kids true. will love it. Yeah. I haven't been. I haven't taken. You know, well, of course, Brielle's just one, but yeah. you know, one of these days we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Plan for it. No. Uh, it'll be fun. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, man. <clears throat> so, but that is not the topic of today's <laughs> Disney episode. World. Disney World. We'll talk about yeah. Disney and the Bible. Now, yeah. and that could be a topic. But uh, today, we're going to address an, an audience question. Uh, one of our listeners uh, submitted a question. And the question's kind of a, well, you know, a, a, a deep question. I don't know if you've heard this before, this question before, or, or what. I know I've had to talk to people about this, but the question is, does God love everyone the same? Now, mm. so you know, chew on that for a second, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's a that's a that's a that's a deep question, an important question that I imagine uh, you, our listeners, uh, have probably heard before. Maybe you've even asked it yourself, and that's what we're going to try to tackle uh, in this episode this morning. Does God love everyone the same? So, where do we? Where would you begin in tackling? that question well the same place i think most theologians like to begin is by saying it depends what you mean <laughs> depends. <laughs> yeah uh, i'm not not giving myself the mantle of theologian by any stretch of the imagination but i am i had i would say here it it depends what you mean right yeah um so i think when when we think of like does god love everyone the same let's just start with the first part of that clause does okay. god love everyone Okay. okay, so you're just going to start with okay. Does God love, does God love everyone? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right. All let's right. just let's just start there. And I mean, this is I mean, probably for for many many Christians, like the verse, you know, one of the first verses to get memorized is John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, yes, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That's probably right? like the most popular. It's one of verse. the most popular yeah. verses. Exactly. So and so here, God loves the world. He loves everyone. He and, and now. In, in this case, of course, God's love is admired, right? Mm-hmm. Because the world is a bad place in, in John's theology, right? So as you read... Yeah, so full like, of sin. Full of sin, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, the light sh- uh, came into the world, but the world did not understand it, right? So we're here mm-hmm. and not admiring so much God's love because it's so comprehensive, but we're admiring God's love mm-hmm. because the world is so bad, it's so undeserving. It's so undeserving. The, lo- exactly. the love is so undeserving. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, now, so we have to be careful here, right? Because th- there is a sense in which God has a uh, common grace love over creation. There is a sense in which God has a a generally yearning for the redemption, a, a stance of yearning. For the redemption of a fallen world, like we see this in the Old Testament too, like um, turn, turn, why should you die? The Lord has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, mm-hmm. right? So like th- there is a sense in which God um, has this stance towards fallen humanity that is loving, okay? Okay. Now, here's the risk when we say that, right, is part of the, part of the danger, I think, in talking about God's love 
broadly in, in that sense and only that sense. Uh-huh. I mean, you end up making shipwreck of other things the Bible says, um, okay. uh, in particular about God's, let's say, his electing love or his like, selective. Like his particular his love? His particular love. Okay. Maybe his... Or what What about, for example, uh, God's intra-Trinitarian love? You mean right? the love between the Father, the Son, the Father, and the Holy the Son, Spirit? Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Which exactly. is a special kind of... It's very special kind of love. So when we talk about God's love... So you're saying there's different kinds of love? I, well, I'm not quite going to put it that way. What I would say is <laughs> God, God, you know, God has... And and really is love, right? Sure. God sure. is love, and that that love manifests itself differently on the basis of the types of relationships that we are talking about. Okay. So, I mean, similarly, when when we're you know, I'm I let's think about I love right, Dylan. Human I feel love. love human okay, love. Yeah, okay? okay. So I love my daughter. <clears throat> I love my wife. I love I don't know ice cream. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah. if I use all those in the same way then somebody's going to get in you, trouble. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's me. <laughs> and you don't want to love someone else's wife. You don't like it, you love your wife. Exactly, exactly. So so you but you're to love your neighbor. But and you're to love your neighbor as well. So so there's there's already like we already have a category for this where we have this thing called love. Um and it thing called anyway. <laughs> we have this thing called love. No and, singing. No singing, exactly. I I will spare your ears. But the point is, it <laughs> manifests itself differently through the different types of relationships hmm. that we have. And God's love, uh, something similar or at least analogous could be said. Hmm. So um, so I'm, I'm trying to – I like – I want to take a look at that relationship aspect that you mentioned there. Hmm. One passage that, that comes to my mind is, well, the book of Hosea. Hmm. Um, for those who aren't familiar with Hosea, it's a, it's a wonderful book. But uh, the the prophet Hosea marries a a a, a prostitute, prostitute, right? Yep. And and she cheats on him, yep. right? She's she's an adulteress, and yet he continues to to love her mm-hmm. nonetheless. But here, but and and it's a picture of God and this God's people. love of Israel. But yep. Israel has kind of uh, turned away. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to read Hosea eleven. That chapter is a beautiful chapter. Uh, I'll just start. I, I might. I'll just go through most of it. It's. Uh, it's not too long. Uh, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love. And I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and fed them. They shall not return to the land of Egypt, but Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword shall rage against their cities, consume the bars of their gates, and devour them because of their own counsels. My people are bent on turning away from me, and though they call out to the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord. He will roar like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, declares the Lord. Ephraim has surrounded me with lies. 
and the house of Israel with deceit, but Judah still walks with God and is faithful to the Holy One. And so we see there in that passage, a very loving passage, where God is recounting all of the things he did Done. for Israel. Yeah. And, but, but yet, it, it's special, right? Because God, he doesn't speak like this in the Old Testament concerning, like, Egypt. Mm. You know, Egypt's not his son. Yes. E- Egypt is not his, his great love. Who he who he cares for and, t- and is tender towards and and nourishes and nurtures and protects. Yeah. So there is a difference that the way that God treats Israel in the Old Testament versus how He treated uh, Babylon, mm-hmm. Assyria, uh, Egypt, Absolutely. and whatnot. And I think this is this is one of the categories that the Bible has for talking about God's love is this this notion of a a kind of elective love mm-hmm. for a particular people. Um, hmm. His, namely, his elect, right? Yeah. So we see this in, let's say, Deuteronomy seven. It was not because you were more in number than the other mm-hmm. people, um, but he loves you because he loves you, right? Keeping the oath <laughs> that he swore to his forefathers, to, yeah. to your forefathers. Yeah. Um, you know, Jacob I loved, Esau have I hated. Romans nine, right? Romans nine. Likewise, you know, in, in Malachi uh, chapter one, it's the same point. And then similarly, uh, Christ loves his church, Ephesians five, right? So mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. there are certain texts that the Bible, there's, there's certain biblical passages that do speak to God's elective and selective love for certain people. So that's one of the categories. What you want to be careful of is taking any one of these categories and absolutizing them to the exclusion of other ways that the Bible talks about God's love. Okay. And I think I think one of the, one of the dangers there, for example, um, if, if all we say is that God loves everyone the same, then what is the gospel, right? Because like, how, how is it good news? Like, doesn't he love us already? Why do I need to put my faith in Christ and be redeemed? Why do I need to repent? Why do I need to repent? Why the resurrection? God loves everyone the same, right? Mm. So if you absolutize that, you miss other things the Bible says about God's love. Mm. Um, But on the other hand, if, if we only look and say God's love is electing love and nothing more, then we, we, we fall very easily into this, in, into a kind of, uh, well, I won't say that. We fall into a trap that, that says, you know, God, uh, God, God is hating people, right? If you, if you are not, um, God does not have that kind of yearning, inviting posture towards those who have not yet repented. And I don't know that that's quite right either, because the Bible has a lot to say about, certainly it has a lot to say about God's wrath being on the unbeliever. There's no question about that. But even while we were still sinners. But even while we were still sinners, right? so Christ loved this us. This comes down to the, you mentioned the word elect, which is used in scripture. Yeah. And, and, and basically uh, uh, the idea being that there are particular people that God chooses to save but we don't know mm-hmm. who they are. I don't have exactly. I don't have the goggles that shows me who God is going to choose to save and who God is not going to choose to save. Right. So, right. Um, so we we can't be presumptuous about, you know, oh God hates you or God loves you, and I know this for a fact. Yeah, I, I loves you in a salvific manner and in a way of saving. Right. A redemptive love. Um, <clears throat> the one passage you, you you talked earlier about a uh, a common 
uh, love that god has for all of creation yes um is there a particular passage that speaks about that yeah so there's there's a handful right so when we look at um in genesis 1 right god creates Mm -hmm. uh create he creates right and he calls his creation good so this is the product of a creator who is caring and loving towards the creation that he has cultivated likewise matthew 6 right the birds uh, not not a sparrow falls apart from God's sovereign mm-hmm. oversight. Okay, right. Um, the, the the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. We so that's elsewhere. that's a, that's the love your enemies passage from from Matthew five. Right? right, right. So there's a handful of these passages that that speak to God's sovereign care over the world as a creator slash sovereign overseer of mm-hmm. life. Yeah. As, as it as he has created it yeah. yeah so quite simply even even the wicked even the people who hate god they get the benefits they get benefits they get benefits of yeah. sunshine rain crops exactly. wealth health yeah and even and even suppressed wickedness right so like yeah he part, restrains their yeah exactly he restrains the, the wickedness of of hearts right so like part of god's common grace if we call it that is that the world is not as bad as it otherwise could be. Yes. Right. So you know, a lot of people will say, "Well, you know, I don't have to be a Christian to you know be a good person." I, yeah, I didn't murder anybody. I didn't, yeah, exactly. And yeah. what they mean by that is something like that. Like I didn't murder anyone. You know, I'm I'm a decent person. Um, well, I, well, the the irony there is that that that's precisely because God restrains the evil within us. And it's actually kind of like the rich young ruler who said, yeah. "I've kept all the commandments." Exactly. And, and Jesus is basically saying, "Not not really." Right. Actually, no, you didn't. Right. Um. Um, so okay, that makes sense. So so there is a, a, a there seems to be in scripture there that common benevolence, common love, common grace that God shows to common care to all His creation. Yes. But then you're saying with that, there's also a specific love that God shows to a specific people, and this love results in their salvation. Uh, Would you say that? This love manifests itself in the obedience of Christ, which results in their salvation, yes. Okay. And now, now, so one, there's one book um, that's tremendously helpful. I think one of my, mm-hmm. one of my go-to books on this topic, yeah. um, the, the Love of God, is a book by a guy named Don Carson, D.A. Carson, The Difficult Doctrine of the Love of God. Oh. Um, fantastic resource. And here, Carson actually, we were talking earlier about different ways the bible it's not that god has different loves it's that god is love and his mm-hmm. love manifests itself in different ways to different okay to, exactly and now so what carson does is he teases out five different identifiable strands that the bible has of, of, of like types of passages categories of passages that the bible has about talking about god's love so one is God's intra-Trinitarian love. Yes, between Father, between, Son, Holy Spirit. Exactly, exactly. And we read this in you know John 3.35, the Father loves the Son, has given all things into his hand. Mm. For the Father, John 5.20, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these uh, will he show him so that you may marvel. Mm. So there's a whole bunch of passages that, ha- that, that speak to this kind of um, Christ pre-incarnate, intra-Trinitarian love, you know, the Father sends the Son. Hmm. Well, so there again, and the Son obeys. The Son goes the willingly. The Son goes willingly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's one category. Second category, another category, is God's providential love over creation. Right? Which we 
we talked, talked about, about that. The, exactly. the, the common sunshine and rain and all the wonderful things that His we enjoy. Sovereign care. Another kind, God's <clears throat> redeeming stance toward a fallen world. Here we have passages like John 3.16. Okay, God so loved the world. God so loved the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 1 John 2.2, 2, he is the propitiation for our sins, uh, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, I know we're going to talk about atonement in that passage. We, we might want to revisit, not atonement in this, pa- in this yeah. episode. Later on. Later yeah. on, there's going to be another episode we talk about atonement. We want to talk about this one in, in particular a little bit more carefully because yes. what is the sense when the Bible talks about uh, Christ and 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 his and a redeeming posture towards the sins of the world? What is What are we talking about there? Yeah, sure, right? Because sure. we don't want to fall into the pitfall of kind of a universalism that says, well, everyone is saved. Um, so we want to be careful there too. Yeah. And again, how, but how do we fall into that trap, right? We fall into that trap by absolutizing some passages mm-hmm. to the exclusion of others. All right, we so oversimplify it is what you're saying. It, it gets oversimplified. In a yeah. way. Yeah. We say that God loves everyone the same. He's trying to save everyone the same. He treats everyone the same. It oversimplifies it. It oversimplifies Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you have a diamond, right, and you hold it up to the light and you, you break out a whole different kinds, a whole bunch of different colors from it, mm-hmm. right? Um, it really is beautiful. But but part of retaining and, and articulating that beauty has to do with, you know, keeping those distinctions the way that God has laid them out in his word. Mm. Um, yeah, it also seems like, I mean, it's it's kind of obvious when you talk about how God has acted, his love has manifested itself differently towards different people. I mean, yeah. just consider the fact that, like, he gave Israel, he gave Israel revelation, Exactly. He never yeah, gave, he gave them the law. He didn't give it to the Amorites. Correct. He didn't give it to the Canaanites. Correct. Like they didn't get the same amount of personal care, loving kindness, and tenderness and revelation. And in fact, he demonstrated his sovereignty against Egypt. Yes. Okay. So there is a. I mean, it's kind he of also harsh, but it's He also demonstrated his sovereignty in a different sense. Yeah. In, in the in the benefit of Egypt at the time of Joseph, right? Mm. So so like it it really kind of depends on. Which it is use. It, it's worth taking the time. It's a useful exercise when we're thinking about how something good happens from God to a people. Whether that's His elect people, we talked about. You know, God gave Israel the law, not the Amorites, mm. right? So God has a particular selecting love for certain people. Um, it, it's it's a useful exercise when you hear about God's love or you read mm-hmm. about God's love. Thinking through, you know, what category am i in <laughs> you know like what what is this love talking about like and here's a fifth god's love conditioned on obedience hmm. right so uh jude 21 keep yourselves in the love of god mm-hmm. with the implication being it's quite possible not to keep yourself in the love of god <laughs> right so th- there's a number of different passages like the lord jesus will say if you obey my commands you will remain in my love just yeah. as i have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. Um, so that's uh, John 15. So, yeah. so there's a couple of different ways that the Bible has to talk about God's love. And this last one, right? If all you are thinking of is, you know, keep yourselves in the love of God, then you, you know, our inner Pharisee gets to show itself. And we start thinking, you know, I better do A, B, and C or else God's not going to love me anymore. If oh. you absolutize that. If you just say, okay, I got to keep. I have to keep, you know, all Jesus, all you're reading is John 15, 9 and 10. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. And you stop. And you stop there. You stop that. Right. Like that's, the, the Bible has so much more to say I than see that. what you're saying. You got to take the whole picture. Yes. Of the Bible, not just one passage and rip it out and say, that's the end of it. Yes. Okay. 
Yes. Right, well, that seems to make sense. Now, equally dangerous, uh-huh. right? I think is saying that God uh, has different loves, or you you don't want to. So, so the danger in an exercise like this uh-huh. is you end up making God inconsistent or schizophrenic or like like you're saying things about God that are like you know it, it almost comes to sound capricious if you divvy up. If you end up saying, well, God has this kind of love and this kind of love and this kind of love, it's not, you don't, you, what you lose is a kind of, um, a syst- simplistic, I mean, in the sense of a, in the systematic sense, you, mm-hmm. the simplicity of God, right? Um, so, so you lose some of that and it's important to retain it. He, he, he is love. Are you referring to the idea that some people might say in the Greek, there's different words used for Love, like there's phileo love, there's agape yeah. love, and that each of them refers to different types of love. Yes, and 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 that the danger is we think that God, you know, turns these on and off like light switches. Uh huh. And that's not what's going on. Okay. Right. So and, and that's that's important to nail down. Okay. He is always loving towards his people, whom he saves and sets a saving love on his elect. He's always loving towards his creation. We are always to you know keep your to keep ourselves in the love of God. These things are always on, right? It's mm-hmm. not like some of them are on and off mm-hmm. that, that God kind of capriciously flips. Mm-hmm. So so that's a danger as well. That's, so that I would I would kind of it's important not to you know stray to the right or to the left on that one. Sure, I think. sure, that makes sense. Yeah. So I mean. It seems like it makes sense to me. I, I mean, we all we, we read these passages about about God disciplining his his sons, right? Yeah. And <clears throat> I've tried to think of it in this way too. It's like how I don't go around disciplining other people's kids. Yeah. Like on the on the on, on the street, like randomly, right? Like you. If you sometimes see, I'm tempted. Sometimes you're tempted. <laughs> That's true. But if you were walking along the neighborhood and you saw a couple kids, let's say, uh, wrestling or fighting out in the front yard. Right, yeah. and one adult comes out of the house, uh, a mother perhaps, and she she picks a particular child, and she she you know she talks to that child, maybe she you know kind of drags him into the house, and you can say, that must be her son, hmm. right? She didn't do that to the other kids. Yeah, she only did that to her kid. Why? Hmm. It's seen you know it doesn't. It, is there so she's acting differently mm-hmm, towards mm-hmm. these children and she disciplines her son god disciplines his children even says like if you are disciplined it means that you are yeah and the greatest the greatest son. risk right is that god doesn't discipline you he takes exactly his, the right. disciplining hand off and says fine have it your way that's right that's like the worst thing that, that is the worst thing yeah. that is exactly right so um yeah i mean, it seems like it's it's pretty clear that there's god's love shows itself in different ways towards different but the question comes down to then is like well well why yeah well why is that and i think at that point we just we don't quite fully know we worship we worship right That's what we do. the secret <laughs> I, I was drawn by deuteronomy 29 29 this the revealed things belong to us and our children yes. but the secret things belong to the lord belong to the lord That's we, right you know we don't know why? I mean, he even tells Israel, like, I picked you not because you were more numerous, not because you were more righteous, da 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 da, and and in fact, he almost makes, he says in another place, like, 
um, that you're getting the land because those people are wicked. Yeah. And they're losing. They're, the, the land is spewing them out. Yeah, it's not because you're cool. It's, it's not, not because you're awesome. Yeah, exactly. So, so whatever, whatever it is, it's nothing in us. Yes. Uh, I, I'm speaking as a, as a, as a redeemed uh, believer. So nothing in me that was attractive to God yes. and caused him to save me rather than save somebody else. Like, yes. Love me rather than love somebody else. We yes. can never boast. Amen. In that way, yeah, right. So, so hopefully that helps us kind of avoid some of the, I don't know, the pitfalls, yeah, of the the extremities that you mentioned there. As far as like, mm-hmm. if we kind of, you know, take something and and blow it out of proportion. Exactly. Like when you talk about does God love everyone the same? Yes and no. Right. It depends what you mean. And I think the the most important thing that we can do as as Christians mm-hmm. is you know when when someone leans on that or or asks about that. Is to take them into the scripture, and and open up you know to some of the past relevant passages and be like, you know, actually you know, so the Bible has a lot of different ways about and to talk about God's love, mm-hmm. and you know, in in our culture we tend we want to over romanticize it and make it this kind of, you know, this this squishy emotionalism like, oh, God loves me, you know, and it's like can't imagine heaven without me or or, or something oh, like that, I got or there, there's something commendable in me to God. No, that's not. It's yeah. not that. Yeah. So, um, so, so anyway, it, it's a great opportunity when we're talking about the love of God to mm-hmm. um, share some of the it, – it, one of the another, – here's, here's another danger to avoid. Yeah. It, you never want it to be just this uh, intellectual ascent. Mm-hmm. You know, you just categorize it and then you put it – you could stick it in a database and call it a day. It doesn't work that way. This is meant to stir us to awe, right, that, that we are dust. Right? Who mm-hmm. are we that God that God would be mindful of us at all? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it leads us to to worship, to look at all these different ways that God is love, and that that love manifests itself throughout these different uh, mm-hmm. relationships the Bible's talking about. So <clears throat> let me let me give you a question that might have some application. Sure. Let's take this and apply. So what what would you say then to the type of uh, a technique of evangelism mm. where you would go up to someone? You may have heard this technique. But people going to an unbeliever and saying, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that's why you should <laughs> repent and believe in Jesus. Yeah. So now what do you think about that? Does this speak to that technique? Uh, it, it, the, the squishiness does a bit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, that, that makes me a little bit nervous. Like it mm-hmm. has a wonderful plan for your life. Or he just, or is, even if you said, mean? God loves you. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, like would you say to an unbeliever, God loves you? I say God wants you, God loves you and does not yearn for you to, I, I, you know, you put it more winsomely than this, okay. but, but God loves you and does not want you to go to hell. Yeah. So repent, right? Like, again, you put it more winsomely than that, but, but that's one of the thrusts. And a lot of that, you know, when you talk about evangelism too, part of the challenge there is that I, I worry about forms or methods of evangelism that become cookie cutter without taking into deep consideration where the person that they're talking with is at in their life. Now, there may be some there may be some instances evangelistically like street, where preaching. You, street preaching where you don't always yeah. have that information. Okay. You don't always know. And then, you know, yeah, there are some methods that 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 can work there. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, um, ideal, all else being equal, and it never is, but all else being equal, 
ideal is to kind of know where the person is at. So for example, you know, if, if you, if you are, if you are standing out, I mean, we talked recently about, um, about abortion and about idolatry mm-hmm. of Moloch. You know, if you're standing outside of an abortion clinic, probably not the best tact is to say, you know, you're going to hell, repent, and kind of come out with fire and brimstone. Yeah. Like, these are individuals, these are women with... Under extreme uh, under pressure. Under extreme pressure, and that is not And tactful. probably already feel a yes. sense of guilt. Yeah. What they need is... Grace. And you reach true. out to them with the offer of grace and say, look... It, you know, I, I one of the ways that I've heard it put is that... Um, you know, when when people are, uh, let, let's say people are standing in front of uh, heaven's gates and they yeah. see a banner yeah. that says, uh, "All are, you know, welcome, come on in, right? Yeah, yeah, all are welcome. And then some start coming in and others don't. And then the ones who come in turn around and see the back of that banner and it says chosen from before the beginning of time. Yeah. Right? Um, so mm, so there's, there's this sense in which w- here's what we don't want to do is kind of in a hyper Calvinistic sense to say um, – God has his elect, and therefore we should only be preaching the gospel of grace to the elect. But we don't know who they are. We don't know who they are, exactly. That's and true. so so how we go about preaching the gospel and sharing the good news mm-hmm. of God's love and God's redeeming love available to them, mm-hmm. right? Now, and I know we're going to talk about atonement, but the but the atonement is definite and definitely accomplished fully for those on whom God's favor rests from before the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. So there's no question about that. Um, but nevertheless, the offer is yeah. the same. So while God's, so, so while the uh, death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ and the redemption accomplished thereby is, uh, while it is sufficient for all, mm-hmm. it is definite for some. Mm-hmm. It is applied to some, um, even if theoretically sufficient mm-hmm. for for all um, yeah. so we'll, we'll, talk, that, yeah. we'll, we'll dive more into that one uh yeah. in, in another episode but anyway so that's yeah. at least where i would start to think through some of those things okay all right awesome yeah. no that's that's helpful that is so uh i think we've kind of tackled this question yeah uh, pretty well hopefully uh you know if you're listening and 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 you want you have some more questions by all means uh, uh please send us an email or, or, or put a message on our Facebook page. We can readdress the question, or, or if, if you don't feel it was a satisfactory answer, we can look at it in more detail there. Amen. But uh, at this point, we do have time for a proverb of the day. Proverb of the day. And, uh, proverb of the day. Yeah. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's begin and put uh, uh, Brother Dylan here on the hot seat. Oh, boy. Hope you're ready. <laughs> you're not ready i'm ready all right you'll be ready it's okay i'll all be right. I'll, I'll be it's gonna be grace. proverbs 15 9 15 9 <clears throat> all right you ready it is the way of the wicked is an abomination to the lord but he loves him who pursues righteousness mm. yes he loves him who pursues righteousness yeah so i i, I would say what, what jumps out to me there is definitely um let's take the last half first Right, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. So it seems to me that that is indicate like, would the reverse be true? Does he not love him who does not pursue righteousness? And there is a sense in which the answer to that is yes, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Like, so, so this kind of comes back to um, you know when when we were talking about in Jude, keep yourselves in the love of God. 
um, or elsewhere, uh, you know, at, where in John 15, uh, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. So there is a sense in which God, uh, ha the Bible has a way of talking about God's love such that it is conditioned mm -hmm. on pursuit of righteousness. So we don't want to lose sight of that. I think, you know, one of the, one of the risks um, in, in reform circles, if I may be so bold, is to, is to kind of so uh, play up the sense in which we are, and all is true, right? We are, we are broken, we are fallen, we can never earn God's love. We want to play down what we can do in order to play up what God has done in Christ. Mm. And the impetus for that is right and good. And the message behind it is right and good and true. What you want to take care to avoid doing is taking that next step and saying, now, therefore, there's nothing that can be changed in your life. And I'm not saying that people in the, for in yeah. the reform camp broadly do that. Sure. I'm just saying it is a danger. You know, I, I have heard sermons where, you know, there, there is there is very little um, application to how we ought to be changed by the message that had been, mm -hmm. had been preached. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Christ is your righteousness is preached on blast, and it is right and good and true to do so. And there are times when that's you, that's that captures what you're trying to capture um, from from the passage. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are times when we do want to say, you know, God loves him who pursues righteousness. Yes. So now let's take this next step, right? Um, and, and it's not to say that that is that salvation is any way conditioned on our pursuit of yes the, of of that or okay. a, attainment of or accomplishment of. Um, but it is it is the fruit of the spirit. Uh, so mm. anyway, we'll we'll come back to that another time. Mm -hmm. So I, I would start there. I'd say God does love him who pursues righteousness. So if if a person you know is it might be hearing that or reading that. You know, one of the things that should hit them is, that, you know, is does this describe me? You know, am I am I pursuing righteousness in my life as mm. defined by by Scripture, as defined by He who is righteous? Mm. Um, now, to to the first part, right? The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Um, it, the The way of the wicked is an interesting way of putting things. It it kind of um, I'm going to circle back to this in just a second. Mm -hmm. But if you turn to Psalm 1, mm -hmm. blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, mm -hmm. but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. This is what that proverb makes me think of in one sense, right? When we talk about uh, the way of – it's not like you're standing in somebody's way, like you, they can't get by you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that you're standing in their in their shoes. You're You're – living the way that they live, this notion of kind of um, being in someone's way or standing in someone's way, that's what is meant. Mm -hmm. um, and that is something that we want to be mindful of, that we are not walking in the counsel of the wicked, standing in the way of the wicked. That is an abomination. What is what is right and good and true and blessed in God's sight is when that person's delight is in the law of the Lord and mm -hmm. on his law he meditates day and night. Mm -hmm. So... Um, that's that's where I, I think we okay. would begin. And by the way, meditating on God's on God's word is like that's first steps towards him who pursues righteousness. Right? Yeah. Is we're we're going after it. Like where do we find a standard of righteousness? Where do we find what constitutes mm -hmm. righteousness? Mm -hmm. It is in God's word. Now that doesn't mean that well, anyway, we could riff on that a little bit longer, but sure. I think we'll 
keep it. No, there. I think that's very helpful, and uh, I appreciate you tackling. Yeah, sure. Tackling that this morning. So, uh, again, uh, for those listening, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, thank you for your questions. And I pray that this was a blessing to you uh, this morning. If you have other questions for us, it's two guys in a Bible podcast at gmail.com. That's the number two in front of that. We're also on Facebook. Just search for the page Two Guys in a Bible. And uh, you can check out our website, two guys in a Bible.org. And we hope to hear more questions. We love your questions, uh, hard ones and easy ones. So, uh, you know, keep, keep them coming. And uh, with that, <clears throat> we will see you all next time. Thank you again. Thanks again. God bless. God bless.